Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Our show continues to grow ridiculously fast. We are now approaching 35,000 subscribers and growing faster than we ever have. And I'm so grateful to each of you for your ongoing support of the show. And I know a huge reason our show continues to grow so fast is we continue to get amazing sales leaders to join our show. And this week, it's no different. I am pumped to welcome Jason Santana back as one of our rare repeat guests on the show. Jason's a world-class sales leader. He's the Senior Vice President and Head of Global Sales Strategy and Operations at Axiom. Now, Axiom is where legal teams go to find the right talent for everything from routine in-house tasks to the more complex outside counsel work. Axiom connects mid-market and Fortune 500 companies with the world's deepest bench of experienced, specialized legal talent. And my guy, Jason, he brings a very unique skill set to them. He's a data scientist turned sales leader. He's the only one I know like this. I love talking to this guy. He, he's had massive success with some of the largest, most successful sales teams in North America. This is a fun dude to talk shop with. I am pumped to welcome him back to the show. I cannot wait to dive in with him. Jason, my friend, welcome back to our show, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Rob. I am uh, super excited to be here. Um, obviously, this is my favorite podcast, so thank you. Uh, very, very happy. To, <laughs> very happy to be on again and um you know and and, ch- and chatting with you today uh about some fun some fun topics well let's start kind of the way we started before i don't need to get necessarily your whole background on sales because if they want that go back to episode 32 and they'll give you'll <laughs> give them that right yeah. if you haven't listened to episode 32 go back but we're on episode like 185 or something like that now and lots changed for us and a lot has changed for you why don't you give us a blend of two things tell us about axiom and what you do for sure. your customers and mm-hmm. maybe just you know what led you to where you are now yeah, so you know, Axiom is a is a really interesting company, right? Category creator, right? Uh, in, you know, in the alternative legal services space, um, and 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 we really do provide um, you know the deepest bench of experienced, specialized legal talent out there. Um, you know, our team matches essentially the right talent to the right legal matters at the right time, right? That that's what we do. That's what we we are known for, and that's um, you know, and that's what we do for our customers. But we also increase their agility, and we help them get 
more value out of their budget dollars, right? Like the one big thing that we always hear, um, at least at, at Axiom, and, and I guess, you know, it, I guess in most businesses where you're providing professional services of any kind is, um, you know, budgets become tight, right? Budgets become tight and, 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 and people are looking to, you know, ultimately reduce cost, improve, increase profits, all right, but that, that reduction of cost typically comes, you know, in some in some instances to to the legal profession, um, you know, to those legal departments, and they have to figure out how to best maximize those dollars. And Axiom helps do that, right? And we do it without sacrificing legal outcomes. It's a it's a great company, like I said, category creator, um, and, and they just continue to redefine the uh, you know the space, and it's been it's been really exciting. I've been here for about eight months now. It's it's, it's awesome. I love the way you described that story. I totally see how unique it is and how compelling it is. And I, I love the, I love the clarity you give as you share that. So um, give just really high level, like, like you're the only data scientist turned sales leader. I know <laughs> um, I, I want to use that as to start the whole conversation off, but how, how did you, how did you make that move from data science guy to I'm going to lead sales teams? Yeah, you know, it, it was it was interesting because I, I mean, it wasn't just you know, I didn't just jump right into sales leadership, right? I, I I went from data science into carrying a bag. Yes, right? and and I think that's one of the things that the, the been kind of the you know, the beauty of my career path is I started in a place that most salespeople don't start, um, and then transitioned from data science and consulting into, like I said, carrying a bag. Um, but I never really shed the data science background, and I think that's an important thing to to. To, to mention because using data, I used the data throughout my career as a seller, as a, as a, as a sales manager, as a sales leader, ultimately as a, as a sales strategy and revenue operations leader, I always used it to inform my process, no matter mm. what I was doing, whether I was selling, whether I was leading a team or whether I was, you know, leading an organization and leading a region, leading, you know, a country, you know, the country or running an entire function for, 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 for a business. Um, never shed that data science background. And it's really critical because I could talk a little bit more about the informing piece, but it, it really is, you know, data are meant to inform, right? Mm. You know, they are meant to provide insight, to uncover trends, make decisions, you know, um, you know, to help make better decisions. You know, so I think that's, that's really one of the big, one of the big um, reasons, uh, you know, I've been successful is I think I've really held on to that background. Well, I've watched how you interact with, with sales teams before, and, and you've definitely done that. But there's, we're going to spend a lot of time on comp plans today. But before we do, I want to sit in what you just brought up, because I think what you just brought up is a big deal for sales leaders. Uh, we have a lot of people that just look at people as numbers. Like I, yeah. I call it spreadsheet leaders or, or you know, people are just the sum of what they sold or they're just the sum of what their call volume was or the sum of whatever the metric you want to use mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that has led to a lot of dissatisfaction for people feeling like a sales leader can help me get someplace. It's what can I do for you rather than what can we do together? Mm-hmm. Could you just talk for a little bit about the two things you just mentioned? Like I, I'm really interested. How do you have data science help with that background. How do you not let people turn into numbers? And I love the word you said, you're informed. How do you use data to be informed rather than just like absolute, this is what it means. Yeah. So, so data, you know, data are truly meant to be informative. Right. And if you don't, if you don't think of it that way, then it's funny because people weaponize data. Yes. And that's the problem that we have is that, Data are never meant to be weaponized. 
it's meant that, you know, it, it is meant to, to inform. And when I, and when I say that is like, you know, I said, you know, it, 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 it's meant to provide insight, uncover trends, help make better decisions. But when you apply it to sellers specifically, you know what it turns into? It turns into how I coach you, right? Like data are meant to inform how I coach you and the areas where, you know, and, and, and like, as an example, right, it helps me identify areas where maybe you're struggling, right? I look at how you're converting through the stages of the sales process. Look at how you're converting through the motions of your day, right? Understanding the data points that are showing the behaviors that are ultimately leading to me being able to identify areas that you're having a challenge or maybe somewhere that, you know, uncovering a need or a challenge that may not be obvious to you, right? Like that's what data are meant to do. And if you, if you use it as a punitive tool or as a, a way to just simply inspect without coaching, right? That's the missing link that a lot of people have is that it's just like, hey, we're looking at spreadsheets and leaderboards, but maybe we should be looking at the things that the data are actually telling us about the person, about the way that they move throughout their day, throughout their week, throughout their month, throughout their year, and, and use that information to help make them better and have actual conversations, informed conversations with a seller. Um, that's, that's how you make sure that it, it doesn't become, you know, that, that's how you use data to help you treat people like people and not like numbers. It takes a lot for me to get shut up, Jason. You do it to <laughs> me every time we talk. Every time we talk, I end up shutting up and just wanting to listen as long as I can. In fact, my listeners will probably say, Rob, yeah, shut up again. Let this guy go. Um, we may not get to the other topic for a while now that you just said what you said. Okay. I hope that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. Because I can summarize I, that topic. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we will maybe, maybe have to do that because I think what you just said is massively important. This concept of weaponizing data. I think more do it. And I think it's one of the reasons I'm going to share a stat with you that you probably already know. And I want to get your response on it. I want to, I want to sit in this for a minute, if that's okay. Yeah. Over 80% of sales leaders self-identify as I'm really good at coaching. Okay. They, they mm-hmm. say I'm good at it. Yeah, I love the smile for people that are on sales leadership United. You're going to see Jason laughing uh, right now. We talk to the managers of those, those thousands of sales leaders. And we're not going to mm-hmm. talk to the reps of those sales leaders. Yeah. And like 17% said the stuff I get from my leader in coaching is actually helpful. Yep. And, and I have, yeah. So it's not surprising you. I want to hear why I think part of it is because data is quite often weaponized, right? It, it's yeah. used for gotcha moments. Can you talk about why you think that gap exists? Uh, I, I just think there's a general misunderstanding on how to use data to improve performance. Mm. Right. I think, I think, and, and, and I, and I, and it's going to be, this is going to, I'm not, and I'm not trying to sound, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, elitist in any way. Right. But it, it, the, you know, you know, being a former data scientist, but, but the, the challenge is understand, like, if you don't truly understand what the data are telling you, then how can you use it to make decisions and how can you use it to help people be better? And how could you, cause if you don't, uh, it, that would be like me speaking a completely different language to you, Yeah, you know, and, and you just nodding your head. Yes. Right. I could be saying something completely insane to you, but you have no idea what I'm saying. And I think that that's the real issue is that I think that this is a muscle that people in sales have not really had to embrace. Right. Like think about, think about sales, think of the history of sales, right. You know, like, you know, the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross days of selling, yes. right? Like, like data, data weren't yes. like the focus there, right? 
it was, it was, it was, you know, people thought that for the longest time, it was like, if you're an outgoing person, you're going to be the best seller. Let me tell you, I'm an introvert, right? I may, I may feel extroverted to you because I know you. I'm calling BS on this, by the way. Oh, trust me, I am. <laughs> I am. I am. It, it, I've worked hard in my career okay. to become. By the way, that's really cool. Extroverted, right? You know, I, I'm someone who, you know, growing up as a child, you know, severe ADHD was very much introverted because, you know, I, you know, sometimes had social anxiety about how to behave in public, right? Mm-hmm. So I was very introverted and coming, coming into selling and like, I was, that's why I went into data science, right? Think about it. You know, all I had to deal with was my spreadsheet, right? All I had to deal with was data and I can interpret things and read them back to people. But, um, you know, going into sales was a, was a, was a, was a part of me get, becoming extrovert, you know, forcing myself to be more extroverted. But, um, you know, so, but, but people seem to think that, you know, extrovert, you know, they used to think that, right. You know, this person's gregarious, they're outgoing, they're, they're wonderful. They're going to be a great seller. Right. And that used to be the thought and that's not really the reality. So, so I, I think that it's not, so long story short, let me circle back to that. So, so, so data, data were never a part of that muscle. And I don't think that leaders, sales leaders have really, you know, understand the interpretation of data. They may see, be able to read a spreadsheet. They may be able to see your numbers, they may be able to see it on, in, you know, in Tableau or whatever you're using, but if they don't have a clear understanding of what it's telling them, then they're going to use it the only way they know how to, which is, you know, as a measuring stick. Okay. So now I'm putting myself in the sales leader shoe because between the two of us, you're the smart guy and I'm the old guy. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and so I got a whole bunch of sales leaders listening to us. we got 30,000 people going to listen to this conversation and they're listening. Okay, Jason. You just told me that most of us don't understand how to interpret the data. And you're right. I'm not a data scientist. I got a degree in whatever I got a degree in. And then I fell into sales. It was an accident. I didn't plan on it. I didn't get a degree in it. And I fell in love with it. And then after I got good at it, they made me a manager. And no one gets any sales-specific leadership training. We get some general sales uh, leadership training, but not for sales. Sure. And and I ended up doing what was done to me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how do these people that are listening, I love this conversation. Like we were not planning. So for our listeners, we did not plan on having this conversation, man. I don't know why I planned the conversation because this is way cooler conversation than what I planned for us to have, to be honest with you. That's great. What can they do to learn how to interpret it better than, because I love what you said. You said inspection without coaching is when you weaponize stuff. I think that's really insightful. Like that's something I hope people wrote, wrote down Mm -hmm. and, and that could be the title of our converse of our episode today. And, how do they learn to interpret it better? How do they get so they don't weaponize it? Any, any yeah. thoughts from your mind? Is Because you're an expert in this. And, yeah. and most of our leaders aren't. How do they bridge that gap? Yeah, so, so this, is, this is obviously, well, one way is hopefully your organization is helping to bridge that gap. Um, so, and, and, and for those organizations that haven't done it yet, I mean, really investing in a, you know, a, a, a sales operations leaders who understand how to do this or how to help do this. And then also it's, 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 it's making sure like, you know, one of the things I think, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but, you know, data science and, and business analytics teams, data science teams in the world of sales are growing at an exponential rate right now. It is. Yeah. So, so, you know, bringing in people who can actually help identify, because, because one of the things that I would say is that, um, you know, not like I have great, not a lot of organizations do a great job of, of mining their data. Right. So once, but if you do have a decent handle on your data, right. The, the best way to, you know, to learn how to interpret it is, you know, if you want to do some self-development, right. Mm. Go out and there's a ton of courses out there. 
certificate programs, all these different things around business analytics, it's becoming so like so much main, so much more mainstream in the world of sales that I would recommend that, you know, from a professional development perspective, people look into those types of programs, you know, um, but, but separate from that, if you don't want to go back to, you know, a program or go back to school and do things like that, really spend time with your sales operations leaders um, and really, uh, you know, understanding the things they're looking at and build a relationship with people like me built inside of your organization, right? So many times like leaders only come to me when there's problems versus coming to me for insight, coming to me for recommendations, having been in their shoes, having led organizations and now sitting in the role that I'm in now. One of the things that I always see is that leaders are very hesitant to come directly to someone like me, which is crazy because that's why I'm there, you know? Why do you think that is? Because I mean, is it, I don't want to be... They don't want to say they don't know. I mean, any, any reasons why? I think it's, be, yeah, it, it could be that Rob, but I also, think I don't know. Cause you're not, a, you're an easy guy to talk to. You're, you're not, a, I mean, yeah. why would they, why would they be scared? I'm interested. Yeah. I think it's more along the lines of, you know, perception of what sales operations was versus what it actually is. Right. So okay. I think for a long time operation sales ops was looked at as, you know, for a while it's been blended in with enablement and it's been, you know, very, you know, you know, there's a, there's an administrative connotation to it. Um, but it's extremely scientific now, right? Like, you know, we spend more time doing data analytics and, 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 and data interpretation and, and looking at, you know, the, the motions of, of sellers and, and understanding kind of time and motion and all of these different scientific, um, you know, analyses that, you know, could be extremely helpful to all leaders. Right. So, so spending more time with, with their sales ops partners will help them, you know, interpret data better. That's a, that is a fact. That's a really good piece of advice. In fact, I don't know if you know, Scott Lease, friend of mine, been on the show a couple of times like you, he mm-hmm. says the most important hire for a sales leader that, especially if you're like a sales VP or whatever, make sure your, re- your sales ops or rev ops is the first thing you get figured out first for the very reason you just said. Yeah. Don't have it be like, an, oh, by the <laughs> way, we'll get there someday get that nailed first. Yeah. It's actually, it's funny. It's, it's becoming so critical to the, not, to, not just to the sales leader, but to the company. Right. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss is, is, is it's a function that is now, you know, it, it's, it's getting a seat at the table and it's, it's in, in, all of these strategy decisions where in the bat in the past, it used to just be, you know, in, in companies I was in when I first started in, in this industry, you know, it was seen as very administrative kind of, you know, hey, when are you rolling out the next campaign, right? Now we're like, yeah. hey, hey, how are we building the next predictive model and recommender system, you know, with a, with a deep learning algorithm to help drive sales, right? So it's a little different now. It's a lot different now. And that's why guys <laughs> like you. So I want to back up for a second. I want to hit reverse sure. and go back like five minutes on our conversation yep. where you made the recommendation to self-develop, which I think is genius. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for the company to teach you this stuff. Go figure that. We're in charge of yeah. our own careers. We're in charge of our own learning, right? Um, my favorite, some of my very favorite customers that hire me, I was telling you before our show started, the ones that say, Rob, I don't want to wait. I don't want to take 10 years to figure all this shit out. I just want, you know, hire yeah. you and help me get there faster. And so like, I think that's such a smart piece of advice. Like, I, and I've never studied what you study. Now I want to do what you just suggested. So I'm, this is Rob asking now. Like, are there places on Udemy and places like that? Are there courses on yeah. like places like that that I can go there buy are. those types of courses? 
There absolutely are. Um, you know, I mean, and, and, and there's even stuff out there in, 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 in YouTube, really? Right? Like, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's free resources out there. You know, there's, 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 there's courses that, you know, that Cornell, you know, eCornell offers, and there's all of these different courses out there um, that, that are offered um, that you can obviously pay for, or there's also free stuff out there. Um, and I think that's a big piece is that, is, is that it, you know, the only investment it really takes outside of if you are paying for it um, is, is your time. Right. And I think that's like so many people make excuses for that, but in the end, it's like, invest in, 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 in a few hours per week of this type of stuff. And it will pay massive dividends in the end um, because it's going to improve your relationship with the people who work with you and the people who work for you. Jace, I'm telling you, man, your advice, it, we've never really had this conversation either. And so the idea of, like you said, was just sales operations and mm-hmm. now it's changed a lot. It's uber yeah. strategic, like so strategic, right? Because yeah. what you do with people is the difference maker. And if you can help them advance faster. And, and I remember one of the things you used to tell me is you use data to look around corners. I've never yeah. forgotten that. In fact, yeah. I think that might have been the topic, the, the title of our last show was it, looking it around corners. Been, yeah. yeah. I've never forgotten it. I always attribute it to you. And, um, and so the idea of making sure that, it, we've all heard like I'm, I'm rambling mm-hmm. sales changes. And so now sure. like I'm saying, man, I I'm really interested in what your sales experiences look like post COVID. I, I I'm not that even interested yeah. in what your sales experience was pre COVID anymore. I don't even care. I, I'm the same, right? I don't yeah. even care. Yeah. It's, it's, Cause it's so irrelevant. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we, we moved uh, uh, essentially a, a decade in, in a six month period. Yeah. And, and so like, like yeah. me, I still sell every day for a, cause it's my business, but B, I want to make sure that I'm staying close to that. Sure. I work with my customers on calls, but the same thing, we don't hear people talk about that with the leadership side. And you just gave us insight, make sure that you are a modern sales leader, not just mm-hmm. a sales leader. And part of that is, are you using, are you able to interpret data to go back to what you started with? Right. So, yeah. And the thing, and something you said to me earlier prior, you know, you know, in one of our earlier conversations, not, on, not on this um, conversation, but um, coaching, coaching the whole person. Yeah. Right. And, and that really has stuck with me uh, through this conversation because that's, that's, I know people are going to be like, you yeah, know, that's crap, but it's not, no, it's like, not like the, the reality is, is this like data that you have on the performance of people, um, tells you so much more about what's going on with those people. And, and if you actually had conversations with them and use the information that you have to say, Hey, I noticed this, or I've seen this, or I'm seeing this, it opens the door to conversations that are, you know, about the whole person and not just the performance, which I think is really important. More than ever before. Just like yeah. you said, I don't care about your sales pre-COVID because it changed so much. I think almost the same thing. I don't know if you know Keith Rosen, but he's been mm-hmm. on the show a time or two, good friend as well. He shared with me that company, 74% of companies said that they changed how they buy post-COVID. Yeah. But only 14% have changed how they sell post-COVID. Yeah. And you're yeah. and, and less than five have changed how they lead post-COVID. Mm-hmm. And um anyway, yeah. I uh I, I, 
I listen to that and I say, okay, we better make sure that we are that leader because I think a big part of the reshuffling or resignation or whatever you want to call it is in part because leaders are not keeping up with what people need right now. I think that's a big deal. And so, I mean, I think one thing that I would say that, that the great resignation or whatever we're calling it now, um, <laughs> you know, I think the one, like, to your point, like the one thing it didn't change though, is it didn't change the fact that people leave leaders. They don't, yes. leave, they don't leave companies. Like that is a tried and true statement, you know? And I think that the, the problem that I think some people get, you know, the, where they get confused is that it's, 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 oh, well, the person and the company or the leader in the company are synonymous. They're not, right? They're not. Um, and I think that, 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 is, that is a real thing. And I think that's what you're, that's what you're seeing. Um, and that's what we've seen, actually, is that people are seeing that there are opportunities out there. And there are companies out there who um, are willing to, you know, where you can actually bring your true self to work and be treated as a, as a person and not a number, right? I love everything you've said so far, man. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up and we're going to have uh, uh, get into some of this, this idea of informing how you coach, man. Yeah. Like we talked about that with data. Data can inform how you coach. But as I'm thinking about what you said, I'm extending it to all of these sales. We've got all these people listening to us, man. And mm-hmm. uh, some are walking the dog, some are commuting again, some are in their home office, whatever. But if we could just say inform how you coach and move past the dashboards, move past the leaderboards, and what is it that helps you see into who the person is? Yeah. Man, that let, let's wrap this up with any final thoughts on that topic. Cause I do want to hit the other one. Cause I think yeah. that there's a lot of value on the other one still too. Yeah. I want to talk about, I, yeah, I do want to just wrap up on the one piece that you said earlier around, um, you know, 17%, right. Said okay. that they said they were getting what they needed from their leaders. Um, I think the reason for that and the reason for a lot of this stuff that we're talking about is that leaders, sales leaders make the mistake too often to spend their time speaking about the business, um, the, like the deal strategy, all of those things. And one-on-ones become deal strategy sessions versus one-on-ones becoming, you know, actual conversations with a person and, and a development conversation, you know, every conversation should be a development conversation, but there's different types of development conversations, right? Deal strategy is developing someone in, in, in one way. Yep. But actually having a conversation about the well-being of that person, what you're seeing in their performance and their data, and what is it telling you that you can actually say, hey, you know, what's going on? Or, hey, you're doing great. And, you know, where, how can we help you even be better, right? Or, hey, you look like you're struggling. What's going on? And mm-hmm. getting to the root problem of what's actually, you know, there to help improve the performance because the performance may have nothing to do with their skills and ability to do their job. So I have to ask you, you know, I thought we were wrapping it. We're not sorry, wrapping man. it, dude. Sorry, no, sorry, no, no, sorry, no, no. We're okay. I, I can't believe I waited two and a half years to bring you back. <laughs> we're we're going to probably have you back in six months. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, because, because <laughs> I can't just leave with what you said, because what you said was so big. So I have over a hundred sales leaders that I coach right now, about 130 sales leaders. And most of them are in, not most, they're all in varying degrees of where, how, how they coach, their skill on coaching, their approach, all of that. I'm thinking of a couple in particular. I really want to run this by you now because of what you just said. Yeah. They were the typical spreadsheet leader. They were, you are the sum of your number, right? They were not a modern day sales leader. And that's 
you know, one of the first things we talked on, they were getting bad reviews from their reps. The rep was mm-hmm. like, anyway, it was, it was a negative situation. So our first stuff we worked on was how to have the conversation you just talked about where they yep. wanted to connect to the person. They wanted to connect to the aspiration. They wanted to move past the numbers. And when they tried, when it was, Hey, Jason, you know, talk to me about what really matters to you or, Hey, Jason, um, what's your plan for this or whatever. They look, got looked at like they were nuts. It was like, yeah. Okay. Where did my leader, where did my boss go? Not my leader. Where did my boss go? What, yep. what happened to whatever the person's name was? And he came back to me. I'm thinking one in particular that said, Rob, they were like, this is weird. What are you asking me? I was like, <laughs> and it was like, or my plan is, I guess I'm just going to work as hard as I can. I'm not going to break any rules. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that it's good enough. Like it was last year. Yeah. So you're going to have some people that will say, geez, Jason, I like everything you said, but how do I go from being the one you're telling me not to be because you can't just snap your fingers and be there because part of it is your reps are conditioned to you doing it the wrong way. Right. Yeah. Any advice on how you make that change? Yeah. So this is, this is funny. I I, I talk about this a lot and, um, and I, and I, you know, one of the things that I will always say, and I've always said, and I've, I've actually lived this, I've walked to this walk in my career is, um, you know, it's time to start, being a bit vulnerable with people. Okay. Right. And I think that that is one of the biggest challenges that we have in as, as leaders is, is showing vulnerability in conversations. And, and I think that's when, cause that's the thing, like if you're coming at your people constantly as this leader of, you know, like, you know, carrot stick leader, um, you're, 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 you're viewed that way. Um, and I think it's time for, for sales leaders, especially, to, um, you know, to be more vulnerable in their conversations, to be more open in their conversations, to show not only empathy, but sympathy um, in, in, in their approach with their teams. Right. I think, you know, you and I've talked about that before. We and have. I think that is a big, big, I am a huge believer of that, that, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you know, once you become a leader, please don't forget where you came from. That blend of empathy and sympathy is another show. We could do a whole show on how to blend those two. I think yeah. you're right because there's a big difference between the two. In fact, you're the first person who had me start thinking about it. You're the one who introduced that to me. And uh, that blend of those two matters a lot. Absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. I. This is good, man. And, and that idea of being more vulnerable, I guess I want to sit in that for one second too, because you said you're right. We do have to be more vulnerable. I'm thinking back to this, this person that I was talking to you about. Cause he was like, what do I do now? They were like, yeah. they weren't buying it. And, and I said, you're going to have to like have them understand why you're asking these questions differently. Now you're yeah. going to have to understand where you're coming from differently. And, and yeah. even say, I've let you down in the past because we haven't had this conversation and I'm trying to fix it now. Stuff like that. Yeah. That's a, that's actually a very, that's a great idea. Right. And, Cause I think one of the things is, you know, we don't really apologize very often, right? Um, and, or, or even say like, hey, you know, I, I, I was wrong here or this was on me, right? Those are conversations that typically you don't hear. Um, some, some great, you know, some leaders do and they're great with it. Um, but I would say before where you were saying like, you know, why am I coming to you with this? Um, this is kind of the, the, the data point that I was making around in, for information, right? If you see something in somebody's performance, Nine times out of 10, it is not like, unless you are, did a terrible job of hiring somebody, right? Unless your ideal candidate profile is completely terrible. Which right? isn't likely, but it's Which possible. Likely. Yeah. It's like, hey, listen, you know, it, yeah, it's not likely, yeah. um, but it is possible, right? It's not outside the realm of possibility. 
right? So unless you, unless those things are going on and you just made a really bad hire, nine times out of 10, it's not the person. It's the process. It's not the person. It's the coaching, mm. right? Like, you know, people, I've seen people who were absolutely terrible sellers in other places go to a place where they got invested in, coached and talked to like a person and, and then become, and become top performers, right? It's not typically if you are a person who is a seller who understands sales process and sales methodology, understands how to apply, you know, your skills to those types of processes, you're successful. But if the processes are broken and the coaching isn't there, you know, people aren't going to be successful. Some will, some will, but the most, yeah, the majority won't. That's good, man. And I think if I was to, if I was to restate what you just said, trying to get, make it a really good action item for our leaders that are listening. Mm -hmm. It's less who you hire because you have good filters, I guess is the right word, right? You have good filters. It's not like you're getting the dregs of the earth that don't have any of the skills. They have a lot of the basics or else you would have caught that, right? Absolutely. So it's what you do with them, not who you get. Who you get, yes, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It totally matters. But what you do with them, in my opinion, might be more important of a differentiator because the first, second, or third candidates they all probably could do the job. You're all, if you're hiring one, can it one, two, or three probably all can do it. So the question is, what are you going to do with them when they come? I love that you said that. That's yeah. also really good. Yeah. Um, all right. We are down to less than 10 minutes. Um, I want to shift for a really short period of time. It's going to be only sure. a little bit. Comp is a big deal, right? Um, yeah. I get a lot of questions from a lot of people on helping developing comp plans or what makes for a good one. And, mm-hmm. and you are an expert in this. You have applied your data science. You've done this for a lot of people. Um, I, I, I never hit it. Here's what I guess I would throw out to you. Let's do it short yeah. because you've yeah. been doing, having a lot of success with it. I look at comp plans as Goldilocks and the three bears, right? <laughs> and, you know, yeah. some are too complex. Some are too simple. Some are just right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen it. I've seen comp plans cause anxiety and stress. I think that they rarely motivate people the way that they were intended to. I think that they actually become a stress yeah. factor, not a passion factor. And that's why you see people um, not seeing comp actually be a motivator as often as they want. Can you just talk about some best practices right now in our current marketplace on what makes for good comp plans? Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I just want to go on the record and say definitively, right. There is a difference and a very clear distinction between compensation plans and sales incentives. So, so like throughout my career, people have always confused the two, right? So smart. And I think that you need to split them out, right? They are, they're, you know, sales, you know, sales comp plans are intended to really drive the long-term results of an organization. Like what is the organization looking to achieve period full stop, right? A sales incentive is intended to drive the behaviors needed to achieve the short-term objectives to get you there, right? So, so I, I think that, you know, too often they're, they're confused, and I think, and, and, and like a perfect example is, you know, what, what we run into a lot of the times is that your sales incentives or, or, and I'm sure the leaders listening, I'm sure you guys have heard this before, seen this before the sales incentives that are rolled out are literally rewarding the exact same thing as your comp plan, right? <laughs> they become additive to the comp plan. And it's like, well, hold on a second. If that's the case, then there's something wrong with your comp plan. Right. If you're, if you're incentivizing the same percentage of plan or result, like performance in an incentive, that's, that is what your comp plan is intended to drive. Then something's wrong with your comp plan. 
if you have to throw additional dollars at that type of behavior or result. How does a sales leader have a conversation managing up if that's what they see happening? How do you have any advice? Yeah. Because I'm, sh- I mean, that's got to be something that people are saying, oh man, preach, Jason, preach. They're giving you amens <laughs> right now, but like, what do I do about it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think, you know, one thing I would say is that um, it, I, I hold the leaders in the organization, you know, like, you know, first off, you have the right, you know, and everyone should right? Have an obligation to dissent. Everyone should have that in an organization. Say that again, loud and clear. Yeah. I want everybody to hear that. Yeah. Everyone in the organization should have an, you know, needs to have an obligation to dissent, right? There is no one person in an organization that, you know, should be making, you know, decisions and, and pushing them down without the ability for others to give feedback. Right. Don't if just nod your head and say, yeah. yes, is what you're saying. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is you've sold, you've led, you, you know, you you know when something feels right and when something feels wrong, and you're also and 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 especially frontline leaders, first line leaders are the are the front line. They are the first line of defense against issues that arise from bad comp plans, issues that arise from bad process. Like they need to speak up, they need to they need to and they need to give feedback to people like myself, right? If you don't feel comfortable giving it to the leader of the you know the the head of the the chief revenue officer the chief commercial officer, the head of worldwide sales, then give it to somebody in sales comp, sales, you know, sales strategy, sales operations, or the head of the group, right? hundred percent. They need to do that. I love it. Really good advice. I'm now, I'm leaving our conversation mode that we've had because it's been so killer. I'm trying to <laughs> fire off a few rapid sure. fire questions if you don't mind, yeah. just because mm-hmm. I think this is a big topic. Like very few people like, really demystify this one, I think. And so like, we got a lot of sales leaders that are switching jobs right now for better or for worse. Uh, any like tips on what to look for, like when you're looking at comp plans, either for yourself or for the team you're about to take over? Is there like any things that you would say, be sure you're looking at these things so you don't get yourself into a shitty spot that's hard to work your, yourself out of? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think really looking at, you know, what, what are they incentivizing, right? Like mm-hmm. how are the plans designed? Are they, are they, are they attainable, right? Because even stretch objectives need to be attainable, right? Like if, 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 if you look at the history, like a good thing that I always tend to look at is um, breadth of participation, right? So how many, what percentage of your reps are actually hitting 100% or better? Yep. And then kind of going, going from that point down. I mean, that's- What's a, that's a good a, number there? Your, your opinion, your, your, your informed opinion. What's a good number? 65% is, 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 a, is a decent number, right? I love it. Okay. Um, and that's at 100% of plan, right? So yes. So you're going to have people who are going to fall within that kind of, you know, 90 to hundred, maybe 85 to hundred, you know, and those are that to me, that's your biggest coaching opportunity. Um, right. Cause you get those people performing, um, you know, small huge. improvements. We'll get them across the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, so I think, you know, like, so that's what I would look at. I would look at, you know, what percentage of people are actually hitting plan um, at hundred percent. Then I would also look at, you know, are they using, you know, things like commissions, you know, commission accelerators, you know, do they have like, the right type of um, plans that that really incentivize the right type of business, right? That's one thing that I've, I've I've noticed, and that's actually Rob one of the big one of my big points around compensation plans is are they first and foremost aligned with the company strategy, right? So are 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 the incentives? And I'm sorry, is the compensation plan looking to achieve the result that the company is looking to achieve? Right. Mm-hmm. So making sure that that is aligned, um, and then and then also. Um, <clears throat> you know, has the company, 
really struck a balance between volume and profitability. This is a big one for me. This is something that is I've had to learn the hard way over time, right? Because a lot of companies, they, they incentivize sellers on, um, you know, I'll just call it fake numbers, yeah. right? Like estimated yeah. annual contract value. Yeah. That's whatever crap. I put in Salesforce, I put that down. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's such crap. Like, like, like the point in time annualization of a, of a, of a contract on the day I sold it doesn't mean that that's not going to yield. So I'm a big believer in, in, in profitability, right? Like looking to like looking for your, making your comp plans balance, both your volume, whatever you want to call it. Right. I, I say volume because there's just, you know, so many businesses out there. It could be units, it could be widgets, whatever you want to call it, units and profit. That those are the two measures, right? Because one captures market share and growth, right? Of of of, of your of whatever you're selling. And the other one makes sure that you're still in business. <laughs> well, that's what I love. We're not what I love is you just said it's not growth at all costs, right? Exactly. It's, yeah. Responsible growth. Yeah. I love you know? that. And, 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 and the reason like, and, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that measuring like, so here's the, here's the big, the big piece. Why is it important to focus on profit? Right. Is because it teaches sellers, the business of business, right? Ah. The seller, you know, it's really important because a seller like profits are what drive growth of a business. It's what keeps the business going and growing and being, being pro and being successful. Right. So I've never actually seen a company and I've been around for a while now. I've actually never seen a company like cost cut their way to prosperity, right? They have to grow. They have to have profit. So your sellers having a profit mindset will help them bring in the right type of business that will yield profitable results for the company, right? And it also focuses leadership on real numbers and managers on real numbers versus like fake made up things that are, you know, annual. Which takes us full circle back to where we started, how you use, you using data, to have informed coaching, one of those mm-hmm. informed coaching things, are, are you bringing on business or are you bringing on good business? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And like, and, and when people say, Hey, I got to give these guys a discount or else they're not going to get to do a deal. Well, unprofitable business. I'd rather not get that deal. Absolutely. Right. right. Don't say I'm going to make it up on the volume. I've heard that so many times. Oh, hey, we don't make a happens. lot of money on here, but I'm going to make it up on the volume. No, a bad deal done once is better than a bad deal done a thousand times. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Cause in the end, right. I, I hear the volume thing all the time, right? All it's the like, time. It pisses always, me off to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like volume, <laughs> volume will not, will not, will not make up for bad business. Like simple yeah. as that. Like it's not true. Anyone tells you that they're lying to you or they don't know what they're saying. They don't know is what more likely is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah exactly. Cause that's just, it's just, it, it a just bad. It's a bad, you know, I've actually, it's funny. Like every time I've made the shift, like prior in my past, like if I made the shift to volume, you know, revenue always suffered. If I made the shift to revenue, volume always suffered. Um, so finding, striking that balance in your compensation plan, 60, 40, 70, 30, whatever your number is, but making sure there is a balance of, of volume and profitability and making sure profitability is the measure of success, not revenue, profitability. So I have one last thing. I, I, I could have stayed in this one the whole hour like we thought we were going to. I got so many things I want to talk about <laughs> comp because- I, people don't talk about this. Like comp is yeah. like a big black box, right? Yeah. You know, people don't like to talk about it. I, I wanted to get into transparency. I want it. We don't have, you are going to have to come back sooner. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Right. 
One of the things I'm hearing a lot now, and I know mm. we got to be done in the next couple of minutes. So this, sure. um, leaders say, Hey, I have a lot of my, my reps said, Hey, the cost of a gallon of gas is ridiculously high right now, or all of my costs are going up. Can we do something to make the comp plan accommodate this? Can we change the comp plan to accommodate this? Is that a comp plan thing or is that a pricing thing? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, cause I don't think that I I'm, I'm alone. Like I have a lot of customer of my leaders that work with me, bring that up to me. I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny too. Cause you know, uh, it, it, I hear it a lot too. Um, and in, in my circles of, of, of friends and peers that I, that I interact with, um, it, it's something that's real and, and it's kind con- you know, constantly, I mean, cause a lot of organizations, um, they don't do merit increases for sales, right? Like they'll right. do, they say know, go sell more. Exactly. Yeah. So I, that, that is a real thing. And, um, you know, so I would say from, from a, um, again, and this is something where if, 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 if a seller or a leader is feeling this or hearing this or seeing this, they should be bringing it to, to people like myself, um, so that we can start to evaluate it. Because I would say that, you know, one of the things that you'll see in the next, you're already seeing it. Um, but as, 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 as we continue to make this shift that we're making, yep. um, in the world of sales, um, it, it is go- like winner's comp plans are going to be dead soon. Like they're just, they're going to go away. Right. Nobody wants, not a lot of sellers want those things anymore. Right. They, they, they probably, you know, they want higher, higher fixed low, you know, like, like lower variable uh, and they're willing to make sacrifices for that. Right. So I think, I think that's also another option is like looking at your fixed versus variable and saying, okay, listen, like I can keep, I can maintain the same total target compensation or OTE, but, but just make some shifts in the way that I'm structuring the plan. So if I go, if I'm right now, you know, 60, 40, I go 70, 30, right. Give a little bit more on the fixed side. And then, um, you know, a little less on the variable side, you're going to take a hit from your cost of sales for sure, but it might improve your, your motivation uh, of your sellers to feel like you're, you're investing in them and kind of giving them what they're asking for. Dude, I am so sad. The right time when we started, I told you time was going to go fast. <laughs> we are literally like we went longer than we were supposed to. I apologize to you. Cause I know you got stuff. Okay. I'm sensitive to your time. Hey, how do people get a hold of you? How do they connect with you? How do they get more of you? Because I'm, I'm a fan and everything you put down, I'm interested in seeing. How do they get more of you? And then when you're done, uh, I want to give you like one la- like kind of final thought on the two topics we've talked about. Any final things you'd say around how you have informed influence uh, and how you use, you know, don't weaponize data or final thoughts on using comp plans to help you achieve your objectives. Any, you know, tell us how to get a hold of you and then any final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you know, the best way to get in touch with me or get, you know, you know, more of me is, is LinkedIn. That's really where I spend most of my time. Um, you know, I think that's, that's, I mean, I'm getting on there more. Uh, I've been obviously building out some stuff at the new company. So haven't been as active on there as I'd like to be, but, um, you know, that is one place that I, that I spend some time and I will be, uh, be there a lot more. And I, you know, I actually encourage people to reach out to me. I, I have a lot of, I mean, if you, so all the number of emails and emails I get on a constant yeah. basis. And we just, you know, just people look talk and shop. Right. And, and it's fun. Uh, not a lot of people, like not enough people are doing that. I would say. Well, before I give you your final thought, cause we are for sure out of time. I would, t- I would tell our listeners, reach out to Jason. The dude is a smart dude. He, he has a point of view that's really well informed. He also has a really broad uh, viewpoint. He's done a lot of things. He's, he's seen a lot. He's done a lot. And and this is a person I really respect and look up to. So final thoughts as we get ready to wrap this up, anything you say to our 35,000 people that are going to listen to you this month, 
um, and then beyond. Any final thoughts you'd share with these leaders and what they might do? Yeah, I would say just don't be afraid to lead authentically, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and 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 shy away from for shy away from you know um, weaponizing data uh, in your conversations with your sellers. You know that that is one thing that you know is, is really. Um, you know, improve the authenticity of your conversations and use the data that you're seeing on the things that you're seeing to help inform versus, you know, whack him over the head with the stick. All right. I love that. He's Jason Santana. He has stopped playing whack-a-mole with his reps a long (laughs) time ago. He's still helping him look around corners by having more informed conversations. And if each of you that's listening can be a, a more informed leader as a result of listening to Jason, then our mission was accomplished. Jason, So great to have you back. I've missed you. It's good to have you back. Congrats on all of your success, my man. And as I say to everybody, happy selling, my friend. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most sales leaders, You've got killer sales process, proven sales tools, and great sales training in place. But you've been left on your own to figure out your sales leadership process, your sales leadership tools, and your sales leadership training. And while there are no shortcuts to success, you can get there faster if you take the most direct route. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United as a resource center for every sales leader, no, no matter how long you've been leading sales teams. If you liked the content of this podcast, I promise you're going to love the sales leadership content in our community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. You can find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You'll find video excerpts of this and all of our podcasts in three to five minute segments, all tagged and organized by topic to help you in your sales leadership journey. You'll find my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, tons of sales meeting ideas sales uh, coaching and sales leadership systems, and just much, much more. Listen, you'll find everything you need in Sales Leadership United, so just go check it out. Don't go reinvent sales leadership. Tap into the proven training and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head over to Sales Leadership United today. I also really want to thank you, our listeners. April was amazing. We had over 35,000 downloads. We're going to break 40,000 this month. We're growing faster and faster, and it's mind-boggling to me how the show is being listened to by so many people in so many countries all around the world, and many of you have told me you've listened to every single one of the 180-some-odd episodes, so thank you, because there is no show without you. I only do this because I love the sales leadership community, and I'm so grateful that so many of you find this show helpful, so again, thank you. Your support of the show has been humbling and it's been inspiring and I'll keep bringing killer guests to you every single week. Now, Jason, Jason's been one of my favorite sales leaders for a long, long time. Uh, I've watched Jason Santana lead teams through all the different market conditions you can imagine. He's amazing at helping the leaders that work for him. They, they have all experience levels, seasoned ones, brand new ones, everything in between. He helps them all find ways to grow and progress and achieve great success because he's informed. That's what I hope you, you take from this episode. 
Because whenever I speak to Jason, he always has a perspective that I learn so much from. I hope you got a good taste of that today. And if you liked what you heard or you're newer to the show, go listen to his earlier episode as well. You'll, you'll love that one too. Because using data is always at the heart of the discussions he and I have. Not because data just has all the answers. Data, like I said on the show, helps him look around corners, helps him know where to have the more meaningful conversations. It's never just a one or a zero, but it points him in the right directions. And this really got my attention because in my career, I've, I've kind of found that there are what I call the seven deadly sins of sales coaching. Uh, one of the most common mistakes we make is what I call ambushing people with data. He called it weaponizing data, which I like even better. And yeah, we do that. We weaponize data and then we end up ambushing people with it. And here's how that happens. Most sales leaders have their own mag- what I call magic spreadsheets. Uh, it's this master spreadsheet that many times nobody else has access to. On these spreadsheets are their own performance ratios, their own indicators, their own scorecards. And none of these things are bad, okay? Having those things are not bad. Where it gets problematic is how they're used. And I'm telling you, I see them everywhere. I coach about 140 sales leaders right now. It's not unusual uh, for them to have all of their own metrics. The problem is nobody has access to them until the one-on-one shows up. So here's my first rule of thumb as it relates to this. If that metric or that number isn't generally available to every member of your team, you don't get to use it. Okay, you got to find a way to have it be generally available so you don't ambush and you don't weaponize and you don't have gotcha moments. That's what makes people be hesitant about having data just be data. That's why people play games with data. That's why, you know, that's why it's so hard to have good sales data is because it's too often weaponized. So if they don't all have general uh, access to it, then just don't use it. Okay, find a way to make it generally accessible if you think you need to use it. Um, I don't need to rehash all the things that Jason suggests, but I want to enforce a key part of our conversation. Okay. And it was, you are in charge of your own development. He had a really great conversation with me about that. You. Okay. It's not the company you work for's responsibility. You need to stay relevant because it's your career. You do not want to let things pass you by. You, you need to stay modern. You need to stay relevant. And it's easy to let things pass you by if you're not careful. Now, Jason spoke about the fact that data is misunderstood and that's why it's misused. I'd echo this and say that we need to make it our business to understand every part of our job. Jason talked about data informing the process. He talked about data informing how he coaches. But he really spent time talking about being informed. And I I would add to it, be informed about how you connect. Be informed about how you incent and and do comp plans. Be informed about every part of your job. Don't just do the job. Be informed. Take that time. Yes, it takes time. Go back and listen to Jason with that lens, okay? Because he's going to remind us, and he does it towards the end, that success is usually not the person that you hire. It's usually the process and the coaching, and that means it's you. And that's what I want to finish on. I've been on panels uh, at events where people are asking about people development. And many times I have a couple of sales leaders and equal number of HR professionals, and they have both of our perspectives. The HR people always make it about the hiring process. And if you just get the right people, everything will be great. I respectfully disagree with them. 
I believe that most processes will get you two to three candidates who can all do the job and be pretty successful. They'll have the prerequisite skills and experience. They'll have the references for you. They will fit into your culture. That's why I always say what you do with them is more important than who you hire. That means you are the difference maker. You are not the babysitter. You're a catalyst, an accelerant. If and only if you take that ownership that Jason talked about. You got to be that person who helps accelerate the development of each rep on your team. You need to be that person who creates an environment where each rep can thrive. And you need to be that person who helps accomplishment of the corporate objectives happen predictably with each member of your team. So those are the three things, right? Development, environment, and accomplishment. And to do it, you're going to have to be informed. Because you're modern in your sales leadership systems. Because you're the difference maker. So go back and listen to Jason a time or two. Take some notes. I got several pages from our conversation. Okay, What he shared will apply to every single part of your sales leadership game. And everyone you work with will appreciate your efforts to take charge of your development and be more informed. Jason, thank you so much for joining me. I love your insights. And your willingness to share them with sales leaders all around the world is something that fires me up. Jason is someone who walks his talk. He's a big doer, not a big talker. And that, well, that's something that every single one of us can learn from. Now, if you haven't connected with Jason, be sure to do so. He's a fantastic sales leader and one who is happy to help others if you ever reach out. So reach out to him. Connect with him. Jason's a person that helps make our sales leadership community better. And I am so appreciative of him and the work he does. Finally. Big thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you can give me is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it, and then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. And whatever you do, don't worry. Just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.